Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Appreciative of everybody this morning participating in worship here at Villas Grace. Please, one more round of applause. It is excellent to be here this morning. To be in a situation where we can freely come together, gather together, the assembly, the body of Christ, a.k.a. the church, to be able to worship our Lord and Savior. Today we finish our sermon series in 2 Thessalonians titled, Persecution, Deception, Disobedience. 2 Thessalonians. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity once again to freely, to have the freedom to gather together, to sing songs worshiping you, to be able to read from your word and exposit what you have said, what you have written down years prior to truths that are still true, actually maybe even more true to some of us today than what they were yesterday. We thank you because we know all of this is possible in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I think it's safe to say that McDonald's has long been the number one fast food chain franchise in the United States. In fact, 2019 was a milestone year for the franchise because McDonald's actually surpassed 100 billion in its system-wide sales for the very first time. However, things have changed since the pandemic because after all, you would think that somebody wouldn't be a part of an organization that is doing such numbers. You would feel like there is opportunity within the industry. But since the pandemic, things have changed. In fact, one franchisee in Tampa, right here in the state of Florida, has to now offer an incentive just to get people to come in and apply for a job. That's right. You heard that correct. You have to be incentivized just to come in and apply. He's been offering $50 just for you to come in and interview. That's right. Whether you get the job or not, only thing you have to do is show up and interview for the job, and you get $50. He's quoted as saying this. I'm going to read his quote. He says, at this point, if we cannot keep our drive throughs moving, then I'll pay $50 for an interview. Unfortunately for this franchise, there's still been a low number of applicants. See, his $50 incentive still isn't quite working. So why? What is it that's actually going on? How come he can't get anybody to come in and apply? Quite simply, people would rather live off unemployment benefits which have been paying much more and been having lasting much longer than what they did prior to the pandemic. Basically, it's money for nothing. 
After all, why would you work when someone else will work for you? A new standard has been set in this country. A standard of sit back and collect. However, this standard is actually nothing new. That's where we get it wrong. See, we get it wrong when we look around us and we think, oh, this is new stuff. This is nothing new. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And last time I checked, that was found in the Bible. And last time I checked, the Bible still applies to us today. But in fact, the Apostle Paul had to address the same exact issue right here in 2 Thessalonians because some Christians were earning their keep while others were lazily standing by idle. Some had a work ethic while others did not. And we see precisely that here in 2 Thessalonians as we end chapter 3. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. The Christian Work Ethic. The Christian Work Ethic. And like I said, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting with verse 6 and ending with verse 18. We are closing out this magnificent letter that, for me, it's just amazing to me how this letter is alive and well today. As you look at the backdrop of what's happening in this world currently, and you read 2 Thessalonians, and you are just, you have to walk away amazed at the connections that we can make by comparing and contrasting God's word with what we're seeing before us. But today we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians, finishing chapter 3, but we cannot forget that last week we were encouraged to be a church that is, in fact, worthy. And we realize when we're encouraged in this that a church that is worthy knows how to effectively pray, but not only just pray, a church that is worthy knows how to effectively repent. Today we're going to be encouraged to be effective in our work ethic, unlike some in Thessalonica, who were too preoccupied with the second coming of Jesus. They were too worried about when he was going to come back rather than earning their keep by having a proper work ethic for the day. Today we're going to learn how to have a healthy balance between the two and maintaining our daily needs. Basically, brothers and sisters, we should never sponge off of others, but rather we should provide for our own needs. And we see precisely this in chapter 3, verses 6 through 18. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know you received from us. For you yourselves know you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. 
For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Our one sentence that puts our main idea together that defines these 13 verses is this. A proper work ethic properly represents Jesus. A proper work ethic properly represents Jesus. Now, I think it's safe to say we've all seen this bumper sticker before. I'd rather be fishing. It really doesn't matter, though. It's really all the same. It doesn't have to be fishing. It could say, I'd rather be fishing or RVing, flying, golfing, camping, etc. You get the point. Now, there is nothing wrong with hobbies. I have no problem with any one of us having a hobby. However, there is something wrong, though, with an improper attitude towards work. There's actually an issue with that. See, some work more when they play, and others play more when they Work. Basically, some will do just enough work while at work just to keep their job and not get fired. Unfortunately, most will do so until the next best opportunity comes along. Church, there is little to no loyalty anymore. Somewhere along the lines, we began to think that our employers actually owed us something. Also, working just to pay your bills and working just so you can one day retire is an improper attitude towards work, too. In fact, I'd argue that there is no such thing as secular work anyway. All work no matter what it is, is an opportunity to give God glory. So whether it's a paid profession or simply a hobby, just like fishing, RVing, flying, golfing, camping, no matter what it is, each and every day we can give God glory no matter what it is that we find ourselves doing. So the question is, would you rather be working or would you rather be fishing? Whoever said you couldn't do both? After all, a proper attitude wouldn't rather to do one over the other. And we're encouraged in as much in verses 16 through 13. But from the jump, it's abundantly clear in verse 6 that it is a command. 
In fact, it's a command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, it's like saying, brothers and sisters, represent Jesus when you do whatever it is that you find yourself doing. Keep away, though, it says, from the brother who is walking in idleness. That's also part of the command. Now, this isn't an excommunication. After all, Jesus does not excommunicate us. We know this by Paul's use of that word right there, that noun. You see the noun right there? Brother. Church, once a brother in Christ, always a brother in Christ. Now, as for how this represents Jesus, we'll get to that in a bit. But for now, let's just observe how Paul, Silas, and Timothy represented Jesus. See, previously with the Thessalonians, they represented Jesus through example, and they represented Jesus through teaching. After all, Paul says right here in the text, he says, we were not idle when we were with you. Paul had worked hard as a tent maker. He didn't rely solely on the church for financial support. Brothers and sisters, allow me to encourage you in, in this. Every paid person on staff here at Villa's Grace Church works bivocationally. And, and what that means is every paid person on staff here at Villa's Grace Church has another job. Every paid person here at Villa's Grace Church does not rely solely on the church for their income. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is this. I'm not standing here asking you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Paul isn't asking us to do something he's not willing to do himself. Paul is leading by example. And I don't know about you. I want to follow that example. And I'm encouraged by the other men paid on staff here at Villa's Grace doing the exact same thing. Now allow me to encourage you yet again. Here at Villa's Grace Church, we receive calls from people looking for a handout. And they're good, too. I pick up that phone. Random people dialing in, looking for a handout. And usually it begins with a question. It begins by them asking, hey, can your church help me with my rent? Now, it's one thing to assist a partner here at Villa's Grace Church. It's, it's one thing for us to assist a regular attender here at Villa's Grace Church Let's face it, needs do arise. However, it's entirely something else to abuse the church's generous benevolence. And that's what those phone calls attempt to do. And it's been my experience that each person who calls asking the question, can your church help me with my rent? They have their carefully concealed fraud exposed each and every time. A few simple questions exposes their true motives. Church, basically what we should remember is that outward solicitation should never be mirrored inwardly. Therefore, brothers and sisters, the church is not here for 
you, but rather you are here for the church. After all, a car with a bumper sticker that says, I'd rather be fishing, RVing, flying, golfing, camping, is on the same parked car, parked in the same parking lot, whether it's your place of employment, at home, in your driveway, or right out there in the church parking lot. Is this the message you want to send to our community? Hey, everybody, I'm currently doing this, but I'd rather be doing that. My car is parked here at Villa's Grace Church parking lot, but I'd rather be fishing. We can do both. We can do both. We can glorify the Lord in our work. We can glorify the Lord in our play. We don't have to separate the two. Hobbies are good. Work is good. Sometimes a hobby can be work. Sometimes work can be somebody's hobby. They're interchanged, but we can't separate them. No matter what it is we find ourselves doing, we have an opportunity to honor and glorify the Lord. And as we move along to verse 10, we observe the concept that if someone gets hungry enough, they'll work for food. In fact, according to Solomon, who we quoted earlier in Proverbs 16, 26, said this, he says, a worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him on. The Bible is also very clear about the church. The church should take care of the poor, and the church should also take care of those in need. However, it is not the church's responsibility to take care of those who are too lazy to work. Look no further than secular welfare culture. Look no further. It's intended for the poor. It's intended for those in need. But it also unintentionally enables individuals. Those who would rather be fishing. It enables immorality. It enables crime, broken families, hopelessness, whereas the church supports the opposite. The church is founded on morality. The church is founded on Christ-centered families. The church is founded on hope. In verse 11, Paul goes on to say, Some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. See, when you're not busy... You're still actually busy. It's really a matter of what you're actually busy doing. Are you busy working and fishing while bringing glory to God? Or are you busy fishing only, interfering in the work of others, bringing glory to our adversary? And according to verse 12, there is opportunity to be a blessing instead of a burden. Which is why Paul writes this. He says, We command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Church, please be encouraged. You can work hard. I know some of you do. You can play hard. I know some of you do. Because after all, it's not about either or. It's about our attitude when we do. And let's not forget, and speaking of 
I'd rather be fishing. As fisher of men, Jesus didn't separate his work from his play. Nor did he separate his play from his work. And like him, we too can bring glory to God, whether we're fishing, RVing, flying, golfing, camping, or simply working. And this brings us to our first point this morning. In work or play, represent Jesus every day. In work or play, represent Jesus every day. And quite simply, the easiest way to represent him is your attitude. What is your heart's desire and attitude towards what it is that you actually find yourself doing right there in the moment? Again, our main idea states this. A proper work ethic properly represents Jesus. Now, do you know what it is that you're actually looking at right now? Do you have any idea? What, what you're looking at is an authentic photo. It is. It's authentic. It's genuine. This is Pastor Steve and Greg as young men. So instead of guessing who won, I'd like to ask Pastor Steve to come up and, you know, no, we don't have to do that. Because Greg's not here. But if Greg were here, we would definitely set up a fight and somebody's taking side bets, right? No, we can't do that. Actually, there is a story, though, that's similar to, to this photo, not pertaining to Pastor Steve or Greg Shipley, so don't, don't, don't think that this story has anything to do with those two individuals. There's two boys that found themselves in a fight when all of a sudden a man approached them, grabbed one of the boys, and gave him a little bit of a stern licking and let him know in no way, shape, or form are you going to behave like that. It just so happened that a bystander observed this going on, and he went to the man and said, wait, wait, hold on a second. Why are you only disciplining the one boy but not the other? And the man looked at the bystander in the eye and said, because this boy is my son, the other is not. Church, if we're children of God, he will discipline us too. In fact, he may just work through us to discipline other believers. That's right. The Lord may want to discipline you, but might work through another believer in the church to do so. And we get a glimpse of this in verses 14 and 15. We can look at verses 14 and 15 in two lights. The first is church discipline, and the other is love. Because after all, church discipline must be conducted in love. Let's observe church discipline first in verse 14. If anyone continues to reject the commands of a proper worth ethic that's found in verses 16 through 15, they should be subjected then to church discipline. See, church discipline is where God uses the church to discipline believers with other believers. It's important for us to note that church discipline should always be conducted without a hint of prejudice, though. That is the most important thing that we can remember. And we know this is true from verse 14, because what does Paul write in verse 14? What does he say? He says, if anyone does not obey. This is where the obedient believers are to dis discipline the dis disobedient believers. And we know that there should be no prejudice because it says anyone. That includes all of us, every last one of us. 
However, just don't go on disciplining anybody like Pastor Stephen and, and Greg there. That's the opposite way. Rather, disobedient believers are not to be associated with for the very simple reason, as it says right here, that he may be ashamed. This is a classic example of peer pressure. That's right, in the Bible. The Bible is actually encouraging you to do something that you were always told as a young child, no, don't do it. Peer pressure is a bad thing. No, peer pressure can actually be a good thing and a bad thing too. But here it's being used for good. And its purpose is to bring the disobedient to repentance before the Lord and repentance before the whole entire church. Hopefully this type of disassociation will bring self-reflection to the disobedient believer. Also in verse 14, it's connected to the discipline that's found earlier from verse 6. Brothers and sisters, allow me to encourage you in this. As it pertains to church discipline, it's really as simply as saying you're always welcome here as long as you have repented from the sin in question. As long as you've repented from the sin that's been brought to your attention, you are always welcome here. But if you show up here and sin has been brought to your attention, you are therefore disrupting the harmony that we have as a fellowship of believers in Christ. That's found in verse 15 where it says, Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. See, church discipline can be dangerous especially when it's an abuse of power. Church, appropriate restoration should always be the end goal of church discipline. The one who is disobedient should know why they're being disciplined, and the one who is disobedient should know how they are being disciplined. That is how we do it in love, when we bring everything to their attention and lay it all out on the table to let them know why and how. Now, as Joe comes up and, and joins me and we close out this morning, let's ask a question. As it pertains to church discipline, what or who is actually being protected through church discipline? What's being protected and who's being protected? Because there is a reason why. And the answer to that question is this. The fellowship of believers is being protected, which can only thrive when unified in Jesus Christ. When we are unified in Jesus Christ in perfect harmony, we have an obligation to protect that fellowship. I would like to wrap things up by reading the remaining three verses in 2 Thessalonians, especially as we're closing out this Sunday, this letter. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And as it says in verse 16, the Lord of peace, the Lord of peace. In church discipline, we can never forget who Jesus is. He is the Lord of peace. 
in church discipline, we can never forget that when we have a proper Christian work ethic and when we discipline those who do not, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ can truly, as it says, be with us all. And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. The proper church, proper church discipline harmonizes the peace and grace of Jesus. Proper church discipline harmonizes the peace and grace of Jesus. Again, our first point stated this, in work or play, represent Jesus every day. And finally, our main idea, a proper work ethic properly represents Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us be a church that can do everything that we were just encouraged to do in your word. Lord, I pray that Villa's Grace is a church that chooses not to sidestep the responsibility that you have placed before us. No matter how difficult this challenge may be, that we choose you and your truth over comfort. We choose you and your truth over the easy way. Help us encourage each other in that. Thank you for your son and what he has done for us and help us to have a proper work attitude, whether in work or play, as we await the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.